Hi, I'm Susan Raff, and welcome to Real Talk. Wow, we are really in the full swing of summer and full season ahead as far as campaigns. There are so many races going on in Connecticut, and this year we have a primary in August. It is the 9th. A lot of people are still enjoying their summers, but the fact is there are a lot of candidates running, and one of the most contentious races is the race for U.S. Senate. That is Senator Richard Blumenthal's seat. Uh, He's held that seat for a while now. And these Republicans, there are three of them who are going to face off in the August primary, all think that they have a very good shot at beating him, mainly because they feel that people in this country are upset with President Biden and Democrats, and they feel that voters uh, will vote for them. So with that, we wanted to get uh, some perspective on that. And uh, Ron Shuren is a political science professor uh, at the University of Connecticut. And we want to thank you for joining us on Real Talk. Thank you. Uh, may I just ask, can you see me on, online now? Because I'm having a problem seeing you, but we can talk about that later. No, I see you just fine. Okay, very good. Okay. Uh, so this is a busy political season. We have a lot of candidates, uh, you know, the secretary of the state race open, but the Senate race is really uh, capturing a lot of attention. Uh, we had a uh, debate uh, uh, recently this week um, with the three candidates, the Republicans. I know you had a chance to watch the debate. We have Themis Claritus, who is the uh, former House Minority Leader in the General Assembly, uh, uh, quite a, a prominent figure, right? She was the first woman ever to uh be in that leadership position. Uh, We have Leora Levy, a Greenwich businesswoman uh, who wants uh, to uh, be the next senator. She's very involved. I think she's the uh, representative for Connecticut in the uh, Republican National Committee. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have Peter Lamage, uh, who is a conservative who has run for U.S. Senate and other offices. Uh, So you saw the debate. What was your take on it? Well, I thought that the debate worked very well for Peter Lamage. It worked well for Themis Claritus in what would be used later in the general election, where she sought to present herself as a Connecticut moderate Republican, although she gave some some, uh, little nips to the conservative wing. Uh, Leora Levy gave her her conservative credentials um, and came off as well as might be expected. I was interested to see whether this debate would fit into the national pattern of a Trump candidate, and in that case, it would be Ms. Levy, appealing to the Trump base and challenged by a more establishment Republican, in which case Themis would be the, the, the candidate. And Peter Lamage coming in as the, the conservative, but without the Trump blessing. Um, I don't think Peter Lamage has changed. I think Peter Lamage and many would agree this is his uh, uh, mantra, if you will, on his values. Conservative have never changed. I think uh, Levy's uh, have. And I think if anything, I think you're correct. I think she might be the one trying to appeal to the Trump base saying, you know, I would vote for the Republican nominee no yeah. matter what he did or she did or said. Back in 2016, when she was supporting Jeb Bush, she called Donald Trump vulgar. Uh, Apparently that doesn't bother her as much anymore, but more recently, as a member of the Republican National Committee, she joined in the censure of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, who are members, the Republican members of the January 6th Committee. 
So she's clearly positioned herself in that Trump camp. And in 2012, I believe she came out and spoke in favor of uh, uh, women's rights and abortion rights. So she has changed uh, her Mm -hmm. stance. So is she the candidate out of the three? And and I guess more importantly, is there a base, a significant enough base within the Republican Party in Connecticut where she could really uh, get enough votes? Remember that Donald Trump did win the Republican primary in 2016. Uh, there is that that base in the in the group of people who vote in a Republican primary in the state of Connecticut. Uh, I was looking at my numbers, and if I can pull them up, I will uh, say what they were. In the last uh, primary, when there was a fairly hot race for for governor, the uh, number of votes votes was relatively small, and uh, so within that population, uh, she has to do well enough to to win. In uh, the 2018 gubernatorial primary, there were 145,000 votes, and it was a hot primary. There were several candidates, as you'll remember. Uh, So in order to win in a three-way race, if you get 50 or 60,000 votes, you're well positioned. Right. And all three candidates uh, are trying to hammer home that Senator Blumenthal is rubber vote for him is rubber stamping um, Joe Biden. Yeah. Um, is that a strong enough argument here in Connecticut? I know that the president's approval rating uh, is not good. Uh, is that enough, though, that people will say, well, you know what, I, I'm going to vote against uh, Dick Blumenthal, even if though I'm a Democrat or maybe even an, an independent? The issues on which Senator Blumenthal is aligned with President Biden are popular issues. And so I'm not sure how effective that will be. The president's own popularity as a function of, of his inability to get much of his program through and generally the, the situation in the economy is problematic for Joe Biden. But linking Dick Blumenthal to Joe Biden maybe not so effective. Remember, how many statewide races has Dick Blumenthal won, usually with 60 percent or more? I think and, he's the most popular, uh, you know, vote getter ever in any state election. Yeah. And so whether all of a sudden at this point uh, voters will so turn on him because he's aligned with a president whose personal popularity is flagging, not so clear to me. Right. And Dick Blumenthal himself, I, I believe I read recently uh, with some poll that was taken, his popularity has uh, taken a bit of a nosedive. The, the, the worst, I think, in, in, in the 12 years since he's uh, been in office. So I he's struggling a little. Yeah, I saw a poll that showed him only 10 points ahead of, of, uh, of an unidentified Republican, which, which gave me some pause. But at the end of the day, I suspect once he gets his campaign going, and it is going, he's got... He's fully on the air now. Uh, I I think the the popularity will resume. But then again, I am somebody who thought Hillary Clinton was going to win in 2016. So I always say that when I make predictions. Well, I don't think you were alone in that regard. I think there were a lot of people. You know, Connecticut is, uh, in many ways, a very moderate state. And even Republicans in the General Assembly uh, voted, uh, you know, to codify some of the uh, abortion rights after Roe v. Wade. They voted for some of the toughest gun laws 
uh, in the country after Sandy Hook. Uh, so Themis Claritis could appeal, I think, to a lot of uh, people, even Democrats. But what about those who say, well, you know, do, should I uh, vote and put another Republican in the Senate at a time when women's rights are under attack? That is a very interesting question. And Themis Claritis is, is going to, if she were to win the election, would be one of the very few nationally prominent Republicans who uh, identifies as pro-choice. One could argue that if abortion rights are your major concern, having people in the Republican Party pushing that cause might be of some help. Uh, on the other hand, a vote for Themis Claritus is a vote to make Mitch McConnell the majority leader of the Senate, determining the agenda, and most likely assuring that pro-choice items not get on the agenda in the U.S. Senate. It can be a struggle for uh, some people because even those Republicans who have been elected in Washington, uh, somehow they change uh, when uh, you know their votes come in and maybe they go in more moderate. But now we're seeing... Uh, you know, an alignment of much more conservative. Yeah. And so I think people think, well, you know, if she's saying this now and she's pro-choice, who knows what will happen in a year from now? That is always the argument that's made to vote for, for Democrats, the straight Democratic ticket. What about Leora Levy? I think that, you know, she really took a lot of stabs at uh, Claritas, maybe thinking because uh, she's not uh, doing as well. So that she views her. Uh, and then at one point during uh, the debate, I think a couple of times, uh, she uh, accused uh, Claritas and Lamage of kind of colluding against her. Uh, I'm not I, I'm not so sure that's accurate. At least they say that they they are not. But uh, does she, is that valid? Uh, What'd well, she say? Three, three, camp, uh, three campaigns, yeah. two candidates. <laughs> I don't think there's any direct collusion, but I think that Ms. Levy is correct to assume that a vote for Lamage is a vote that would have otherwise gone to her. And so that that works to Claritas's advantage. Um, and uh, a three-way race, you never know how things are going to turn out, especially with a rather small number of people voting. How do you think things will? Do you think Dick Blumenthal should be concerned? I mean, he does have a lot of money in the coffers. Yeah. Uh, he's one of or not the richest member of Congress. Yeah. Uh, I, I think any any political figure is, is foolish if they're not concerned. You never know what is a sure thing. Um, but I think that the, uh, the advantage rests with him. I think he'd have an interesting campaign against Claritas. He'd have a clearly down the road, straight Democratic uh, vote against the Trump candidate against Levy. Any uh, thoughts on the governor's race? Um, well, you know, they've both been on the air. Uh, and of course, the Republicans have tried and tried and tried again with Foley and the first time Stefanowski uh, to win with uh, business people. Um, I think Ned Lamont's popularity rating is the highest among Democratic governors in the country. I think he's recovered from his early problems over the toll issue and got generally good ratings for his handling of COVID. Uh, I think there's a general feeling that in terms of dealing with the pension problem and dealing with the state economic situation generally or state financial situation generally, uh, he's done a good job according to what most people tell pollsters. So I think his only problem is perhaps a general democratic malaise, concern about the economy, 
And if this is a truly Republican wave election, as the Republicans are hoping, then any Democratic incumbent is in trouble. But I think the advantage favors Lamont. Right. And I think, you know, early on during the pandemic, I think, you know, obviously Lamont got very high marks for that Mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic, you know, uncharted territory for anyone. Uh, But I also think, you know, coming out of the legislative session uh, with a huge surplus, one of the highest we've ever had, and $650 million in tax cuts uh, is a good way to go into an election. Absolutely. Imagine the reverse. No, I, I, I can't. I think Malloy had that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's got his problems now, too. But that's Right. And story. so he, he goes in with that. I mean, should he have passed the uh, the tax uh, break on to those using diesel? Maybe some would argue today that that would have been a prudent measure simply because the state has a lot of money right now. Why yeah. not uh, do that? But I'm not sure that's enough. And I'm not sure that Bob Stefanowski has a cl- clear, strong message other than I'm not Ned Lamont. Yeah. Yeah. And, and but of course, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of money and ability to be on the air. So we'll see how it goes. So you're, you're thinking that Lamont is going to uh, to win the election. Probably. That's my prediction. But again, I uh, I've made erroneous predictions in the past. What do you think of Connecticut politics? You know, do you think that we are very, very different from other parts of the country, uh, especially what we're witnessing now? We are a blue state. We have not elected a statewide Connecticut official for many years. We have a a 5-0 Democratic um, hold of U.S. House of Representatives seats. So we are different from the country in that respect. And we are considered now a reliably blue state. That was not always the case. That was not the case up through the 1980s, but it is the case now. What about, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade and abortion rights? How do you think that that, uh, you know, obviously here in Connecticut, we've codified that right. Uh, But, you know, one of the things that surprised me was how much power states have uh, over the people who live there. So maybe abortion is illegal in your state, but you can go to another state and there's they're still going to come after you and those doctors. So I think that was an eye opening experience or, you know, for a lot of people. I think that Connecticut is a state which is very pro-choice, but I think that there are a significant number of Connecticut voters who, even though they are pro-choice, are a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of Connecticut seeking to gain economic advantage by becoming an abortion mecca. And that is the way some of the Republicans have attacked what Governor Lamont has been saying about that issue. Again, you support abortion rights, but you're not comfortable talking about it. It's not, for some voters, their highest priority. For other voters, it is. And we'll see how that plays out. All right. Well, I mean, the August 9th primary is less than two weeks away. We have the Secretary of the State race, Senate. Mm -hmm. We have a number of uh, different races. And I think, you know, the challenge uh, for me always is, you know, everybody's in summer mode. And a lot of people don't even realize uh, that there is a primary And it's really going to make a a difference for a lot of candidates going forward. I really wonder about Democratic turnout for primaries that deal with state treasurer and secretary of the state. Um, There's not the the high level of interest that there would be in a U.S. Senate race. Looking again back in 2018, uh, the Democratic gubernatorial primary, Lamont versus Ganem, 211,000. 
I would be very surprised if we get past 150,000, if that, this time around for those two statewide races that are down ballot races and about which many voters know very little. One of the issues that's raised in the Secretary of the State campaign, you know, Denise Merrill, who uh, served for over 10 years and uh, left her term a little bit early uh, to take care of her husband. Uh, Mm -hmm. She was a strong supporter of early voting and absentee uh, ballots. Mm -hmm. Um, And we saw a record turnout uh, during the pandemic, mainly because people didn't have to go to the polls and mm-hmm. they could vote by by mail. In fact, Connecticut, I think we're only one of six or seven states that doesn't have some form of early voting. Uh, the three uh, or the two Democrats who are running feel very strongly that we should have early voting and mm-hmm. absentee ballots. And the Republicans are a little bit more conservative of that, saying we should work on the system that we have now, uh, have a government uh, ID uh, to to vote. And they feel that we, you know, if we did expand the system, we'd have to hire more people because right now we have a number of cities and towns or mainly towns that are part-time registrars. So you Mm -hmm. don't have enough staff to really do that. What are your feelings about expanding voting. And there's a referendum, uh, as you know, uh, in November, uh, where voters will decide whether or not Connecticut should have early voting. The hallmark of Denise Merrill's tenure has been working to expand the ability of people to vote and assuring that people are not excluded from voting. Uh, In terms of early voting, one of the questions that the Democrats have to deal with is how early? Three days, a week, Uh, Many people are concerned about early voting only because it changes the shape of a campaign. You remember in 2016, when Hillary Clinton was running for president, about two weeks before the election, it came out that there was a renewed investigation into her email problem. Then a week later, it turned out that she was exonerated. People that voted in that interim period were voting without full information. So that's the kind of concern that some people might have with early voting. But again, every state that has adopted it seems to have done well with it and is able to administer it effectively without enormous increases in staff support. Uh, I can't speak to whether each town will have to expand the number of hours it gives to registrars. There might be some expansion of that. But uh, then it becomes a, a, a state mandate without state paying, which is a problem, and perhaps that can be dealt with. Right. And I think whatever Connecticut decides to do, I mean, I have a feeling it's going to pass uh, in November, the referendum. So if there is early voting, the legislature has to determine how much, uh, uh, how many, one day, two days, three days before. I think they'll be fairly conservative uh, about it because if it's new, uh, you know, they don't want to bite off more than they can chew. Uh, But um, I, I don't know. I mean, a lot of states, you don't have to necessarily vote uh, on Tuesday. Uh, maybe you can go a little bit before. Uh, and those states seem to be doing fairly well with that. But I do think Connecticut has to look at upgrading its uh, technology. I know some of the yeah. systems within the Secretary of the State's uh, system are antiquated, and they have to hire probably more people because registrar voters only work part time. And if they're going to come on earlier and work harder and longer, then they have to have more people. And you have to have two of them because you have to have one from each party. Right. All right. Well, I think we've had a good conversation. Anything you want to add on the political level? No, it's always interesting. And it's always uh, gratifying to see at least some level of interest, even at this summer stage in, in these very important races. 
Right. Especially like secretary of the state. I mean, that position really has been, you know, Denise Merrill's for as long as she she had it uh, mm-hmm. over 10 years. So that's an open seat. It could go anyway. Uh, and then you have the Blumenthal situation. You yeah. know, you have three Republican candidates and who knows? I mean, they all bring something different to the table. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, I don't know how voters uh, really feel, but we'll know one way or another after the August primary. Yes. All right. Thank you, Ron Sheeran, political professor, political science professor at the University of Connecticut. And I want to thank you for joining us on Real Talk. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you.